And now the bases are loaded for Javi Baez. Well, if you're Connor, you've got the right guy that you wanted to play in, in Javi Baez. You could, you could easily strike him out. Uh -oh. Baseball fans, I know you're all coming down from the 4th of July Independence Day holiday, but I tell you what, there's one sport where it's 4th of July all year round with your hot dogs and your fireworks and uh, your racist uncles. It's baseball, and that's what we celebrate here on Put Me In Coach. My name is Matt Coggins. And my name is Carl Mizell, and I am... And nor will I ever be a racist uncle. Thank How are God. you, friend? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I'm good. Uncle, no racism. But <laughs> <laughs> Might be an uncle, never be racist. Yeah. But I am Welcome. the baseball uncle, for sure. You, you Definitely. You can be ba You can be my uh, unofficial baseball uncle. How are you, friend? I'm doing better. Hey, uh, you know, listeners uh, who are uh, regulars of ours might have noticed we didn't post last week. That's because I had COVID and uh, didn't feel like chatting for an hour, but... Feeling better now, just a little phlegmy. Um, uh, how about yourself? Great. You also, uh, before we jumped on the pod, you also mentioned that back to back. You're you're in New York City. I'm in in mid Michigan. I'm in Lansing, Michigan. Um, and both of us, the past week, have had serious uh, had to contend with the smoke from the Canadian wildfires. Yeah. Uh, so going from COVID to that couldn't have been great. And then on an my idea. end. No, and then on my end, uh, all of my son's t-ball games and practices uh, were canceled no. because the because I don't know it, 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 just like the Olympics every four years when something happens we become immediate experts. Of I was course. checking the air air quality index um, every hour, and at one point we, I woke up to like an AQI of two hundred and fifty. It was just it was smoky. Yeah, that, and my street in my little suburban street when was you can like smell that that smoky smell. Yeah, that yeah. that day that um, when they canceled a bunch of baseball games last month, and uh, the sky was orange in New York, that was four hundred that day for for a measure oh, of how bad it can get. Um, but hopefully, it's better now. Um, they still played through it in a lot of those teams, so um, I couldn't imagine. I, I went for a little jog, and I was like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. I, hey, a light walk to the subway was winding me, but um, yeah. But hey, uh, this isn't a weather podcast. This is a baseball podcast. And since we did miss last week, and since there's been uh, a ton of stuff that's happened over the last uh, two weeks. Uh, we're going to fill you on some baseball news. This week, we're also talking about the MLB draft, which I know nothing about. So I'm going to be learning a ton alongside all of our listeners today. Um, but before we get to any of that, of course, let's get to the baseball news. And the baseball news is brought to you by the Put Me In Coach Beer of the Week. And that is a beer called Skies Out, Thighs Out from Rusty Rail Brewing. Out of Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. It's a oh. pink lemonade sour ale. Um, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, I, I, while you're taking a drink, I wanted to ta I wanted to have you tag me in because I'm drinking on the pod this week. Hey. Yeah, I got a little bit of bourbon. I have some Angel's Envy, Ooh. a very very fine bourbon that I was very fortunate to snag um, at my last job. We had a, a company meeting down in Louisville and got to take a tour of the distillery and was gifted a free bottle of this. Hell and yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I dip into it every once in a while. I figured, you know, tomorrow's the fourth. I'm going to spend all day at the pool with the kids. You know, let's, let's have a good night. Yeah. Let's talk some baseball and have some whiskey. This is or some bourbon. Uh, I don't. I, I don't want any semantic a holes out there chiding me over my what I call bourbon. It's it's whiskey and it's delicious. Hell yeah! You know what? We're a couple of your baseball uncles here about to <laughs> about to get drunk and talk baseball with you, kids. Um. So yeah. uh, in the baseball news this week, noted abuser and Yankee Domingo Herman threw the first perfect game in over a decade on Wednesday against the Athletics in Oakland while the Yankees scored the most runs ever in a perfect game. It was also the first no-hitter of the year. Um, now, of course, Herman is a, a bad person, and a lot of people, I think, were very much like, oh, did it have to be that guy? Um, I have a theory, though, 
that I'd like to present. Herman had been flagged numerous times this season for sticky substance violations and served a 10-game suspension after, like, three warnings where he was asked to wash his hands. Uh, he returned with a noticeable drop in performance. He had given up 15 runs in five innings pitched over his last two starts prior to the perfect game. He was not checked for sticky stuff during the perfect game. And uh, they said, hey, his hat's going to the going to the uh, going to Cooperstown. And you could just see a nice big smudge right on that bill. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Fans for years are going to be noticing that in, in the Hall of Fame when it's on display. So I do want to put a little asterisk on this perfect game. Obviously, you know, a perfect game is a team effort. Uh, you know, you, you could say that with about no hit or two, but, uh, you know, go back and listen to our perfect game episode um, for the uh, the full scoop. And, and you know, it's it's anybody can break it. Obviously, the pitcher does the lion's share, but um, it's it's really a joint effort. So congrats to the Yankees, but also like I want to put a, a big old Barry Bonds style asterisk on this one when it goes to Cooperstown. Absolutely. And I, I was I was right there with you. I I. I... I'd seen on Reddit something about a perfect game, but I didn't immediately catch that it was Hermana. When I saw that, I was like, God damn it. Does it it's, this is when it sucks to be a sports fan because you want to just be happy that somebody threw a perfect game, but did it have to be noted abuser, Domingo Herman? But at least he's clean shaven. The Yankees yeah. would not stand for stubble, <laughs> but apparently domestic abuse is perfectly fucking fine. Of course. Of course. Um, and of course, you know, Oakland... Is never. When was the last time we had a good story about Oakland? Uh, they were once again screwed by their ownership uh, after the team announced a sunglasses giveaway from the popular brand Pit Viper. Supplies ran out roughly 90 minutes before the per- first pitch was even thrown. Attendance was only about 15,000 because it's an Oakland game. It's estimated only about 1,500 were given away. Why even do a giveaway? They, they can't get anything right right now. It's so bad. And I and again. It's not oh, it's not the team that I feel bad for, like you said. It's the fans. Yeah. The fans are just it's just one indignity after another. Figurative sand kicked in their figurative faces. Uh, we got more drama out of St. Louis. Uh, you, uh, listeners may remember us talking about Wilson Contreras and the uh, issues going on with the Cardinals a couple weeks ago. There's some new reports out that have alleged that. He was benched for an extended period and kept away from catching duties because he would routinely call for pitches that pitchers did not have in their arsenal. And uh, when you sent me this story, I was like, they have pitch comm now. No, it used to be you'd have to learn all the all the uh, hand signals for pitches. Now you just have buttons. So is he like yeah. just button mashing? Like, is he just p- picking buttons of pitches at random? <laughs> Might as well. I, I thought it was funny. Somebody, um, I think it was yesterday when uh, the Cardinals... We're playing the Yankees, and Harrison Bader came up to the plate in St. Louis. Of course, former beloved Cardinal Harrison Bader. Wilson Contreras, you know, says hello and then kind of takes a, a mound visit to give Bader the uh, Bader the floor, so to speak. And uh, somebody, uh, and I, I don't know the username, but shout out to the random user on Reddit who was like, ah, he's probably just going to ask him what pitches he throws. <laughs> um, okay. We got to talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Have you been uh, following them? Have you been paying attention to them? I know we talked to uh, Ellie De La Cruz last episode. Yes, I am extremely, I am both excited for the Cincinnati Reds and disappointed by the Cincinnati Reds simply because, again, you see the Arizona Diamondbacks, you see the Cincinnati Reds. They were so bad just a couple years ago, yeah. and now they're so good. And then you sit there and you look at the Tigers and go, you your Why turn. Not Why not us? So yes, I'm I'm extremely interested in seeing what the Reds are, are doing right now, and uh, I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to say about them. To right be now. fair, this couple of stats I have to tell you aren't really something you would attribute to a good team, quote unquote. Um, there have been over a hundred thousand instances in the modern era where an MLB team had both fewer total hits and fewer total walks than its opponent over a 10-game span. Only one team in the history of baseball has won all 10 of those games. That's the 2023 Cincinnati Reds. That's magic. That's magic. <laughs> you are breaking baseball when you do something like that. That th- These are the type of esoteric stats that I just chef's kiss. Just I'm glad mwah. other people can find these because I don't know how to find these stats. It's just like, oh, well, that's that doesn't make any fucking sense. And I love it. No. 
God no, are you kidding? Like I I I love it when somebody's like so and so has the highest batting average in day games on Tuesdays and <laughs> odd numbered months. I didn't know that. I didn't need to th- know that, but I'm glad that I'm I glad do. somebody got a math degree for that. Um, <laughs> speaking of math, uh, talking about the Reds' payroll, I found this extremely interesting. Ken Griffey Jr., who hasn't played a game since 2010, is the fourth highest played payer, fourth highest paid player on the Reds' payroll now, like right at the second this year. Mike Moustakis, who was released prior to the 2023 season, is number two. In fact, the only active players in their top five payroll are Joey Votto and Kevin Newman. They are just, again, a small market team making great choices, great trades, smart choices, and just making it work. And and, in mentioning Ken Griffey Jr., I would be remiss if I didn't point out that two days ago, because we are recording on Monday, July 3rd, was Bobby Bonilla Day. Happy Bobby, belated Bobby Bonilla Day, everybody. Just go Google it if you're not familiar. <laughs> I have a feeling that, okay, all right, for those that don't know, uh, due to some weirdo contract thing that I don't want to get into right now, the Mets every single year pay a player named Bobby Bonilla, who hasn't played in about 15 years, a uh, million dollars. Um, that's part of his contract, and it will be until 2035. I have a feeling that in this day and age of long-term huge contracts, you're going to be seeing a lot of Bobby Bonilla days as the years go on. And they're still going to start calling Absolutely. it um, Manny uh, Machado Day. I don't know. <laughs> Just as an example of a guy <laughs> but, that probably won't be playing through the end of his contract and won't be making $50 million a year when he's 40, you know? No, and, and I'm guessing that they will be uh, more smartly executed and not, as, not the direct result of being involved in a Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. From what I understand, the Wilpins actually might have pulled out and made some money on the Ponzi schemes. <laughs> One of the few. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, exactly. You had some stories, uh, some storylines. There was a big trade, probably the biggest trade of the year so far. Yeah, you know, uh, n- normally the tradition is you wait right until the trade deadline, but uh, Kansas City and Texas said, nah, F that, and decided to get their group project done early. They uh, crafted a trade that sent the resurgent Aroldis Chapman to Texas in exchange for left-handed pitcher Cole Reagans and outfielder Ronnie Cabrera. Uh, Cabrera is the most interesting piece in the trade as he is just 17 years old and is currently playing his second season in the Dominican Summer League. Reagans, on the other hand, is a 25-year-old two-time Tommy John surgery recipient who did not pitch between the years of 2017 and 2021. Holy shit. So... Yeah, so I think uh, he was just sort of uh, an afterthought uh, in that regard. Uh, Alec Manoa, we mentioned his struggles, his well-regarded struggles, and uh, he seems to be making some improvements down in Florida. He had a disastrous first start where he gave up 11 runs on 10 hits in two and two-thirds innings against rookie leaguers. Uh, he regrouped and tossed a relative gem against Boston's A affiliate Portland Sea Dogs. He went five innings, struck out 10, and only allowed one run on three hits and three walks. Good night, buddy. I love you. He was looking really curious at Dad's that. juice right there for a second. I was like, ah. Yeah, he is. Please don't, please don't drink Dad's juice. But Manoa, um, I my, wonder if that last yeah. start, if they just told him, throw your fastball, just try to dot the strike zone, no matter who hits it, where it hits it, doesn't matter. You know, just try to get fastballs in. That's what I wondered at the time, and after that performance, it kind of feels more likely because I, I don't know. That's bizarre that you turn it around that fast. Yeah. And again, as as many people have pointed out, usually when you go down for something like this, you're just you're working on one thing, you know, throw your slider 50 Mm percent of the time, whether or not it works, we don't care. Um, There is a, a lot of consensus amongst the people who know these type of things that they took him right from the FCL, you know, rookie ball, low A league up to double A because they wanted his next start to be against, you know, something that was more analogous to MLB competition. And, you know, he's a very emotional, emotions-driven guy. So maybe that sort of pumped him up and it worked. So he seems to be regrouping. You know who's not regrouping <laughs> is Sandy Alcantara, my preseason pick for the National League Cy and Young last Award. Last year's Cy Young he, Award. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank you. I appreciate you pointing that out because I did not point that out in my own notes that I wrote myself with my own uh, eyes and hands. Um, 
last year he had 32 starts and allowed only 58 earned runs, uh, which I think was good for like a 2.28 earned run average throughout the year. He's had 17 starts this year and has already given up 59 earned runs, which is good for, I think if it was 4.83, uh, the poor guy. He just can't can't buy a break. The the Marlins were on a, a tear recently and only made up like two games on Atlanta. That has got to be such a de- the disappointment. Phillies too. The Phillies actually lost ground yes. on Atlanta, even though they were on a like something crazy, like a thirteen and two streak or something like that. Yep. Um, yeah, fuck Atlanta. I hate them. <sighs> I do too, and and it is as a sort of segue into our uh, our next discussion here. The uh, the MLB All Star Game is next week, and we have thoughts. But our first thought is, God damn it, because our favorite team to hate, the Atlanta Braves, set a franchise record with eight All Star selections. Three came by the way of the fan vote. Ronald Acuna Jr., Sean Murphy, and Orlando Arcia. And another five came as reserves. Those would be Matt Olson, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Spencer Strider, and Bryce Elder. And that is the closest we're going to get to rattling off uh, the all-star rosters this year. But I just, I hate it for a variety of reasons. And this is might serve as a little bit of a spoiler for something you typed in your notes about uh, what do we think about the fan vote? Just going to ask, And in yeah. this case, I, yeah. I don't like it. Um, as a fan, um, I don't like it, but I understand it because not every there's. I don't want to sound like a gatekeeper. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. I don't want people to be as knowledgeable and educated on the game. And you know why? Why didn't you you why didn't you vote for Spencer Steer yeah. like I did? He was my pick for the National League first baseman uh, for the All-Star game. But no, you, I can't even remember who got it. I, I don't have it Freeman. up in front of me. Um, for, yeah, okay, uh, okay, a fine choice. But again, it's like you're picking the chalk or you're picking, oh, the, the Texas Rangers are in first place. So I'll just fill yeah. in the Texas Rangers or... You know, I, I like the Yankees, so it's all Yankees. I am, yeah. I'm a little... Same with the know, Blue man. Jays. The Blue Jays got way more picks than deserved. The Rangers uh, will send six, um, a lot of them off of the fan vote. And some of them, like, they are legitimately good players. Like, I, I'm not going to say that they're not. I'm just saying, um, in, as far as my book goes, I don't want to watch the Atlanta Braves play the Texas Rangers. We can just do that later this yep. season. And I'm sure it'll be a great game. I, the All-Star game is supposed to be representative of the entire league. And even if one team is running away with it, like the Braves or the Rays, but even the Rays didn't get a lot of guys in the, in, in the game. So it just entirely depends on how rabid your fan base is. And speaking from my online experience, Atlanta fans are insane. So of course they're going to stuff ballots with their guys. And some of them uh, I don't know, deserve it a lot less than other guys, in my humble opinion. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And I, I took a look at your notes uh, for, for snubs, uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I no notes, no no added notes. I completely agree. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in, in, in a moment there. But so, yeah, so uh, All-Star Game. We we have the we have the selections. The rosters are out. We are not going to sit here and rattle off 50 names um, you, you, you listeners are, adept. you found a podcast. You can Google yes. <laughs> 2023 MLB. I'll just um, say the one guy rosters. that I think deserves the fan vote. It was such an easy choice. We even went, Oh, of course, when we did our, our all-star game episode was Shohei Otani. And not only has he had a great season, uh, a great career, he's on pace to beat judges AL Homer record. Uh, he might have had the best single month in baseball history, from what I understand, um, uh, just in June alone. So if you were to just vote for an all-star based on one month, the most recent month, Shohei Otani would be a, uh, an easy in for either pitcher or, or hitter. Uh, 1.444 OPS, uh, 25 extra base hits, 21 walks, 15 home runs. Two and two record with a three point two six ERA, thirty seven strikeouts in thirty innings. <laughs> That's just June, just June. There were two other months yeah. before that where he was also very good. Yeah, if 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 you're listening to this podcast and you're like, ugh, I'm so tired of listening to Shohei, long show about Shohei Otani. A, you're listening to the wrong show, and B, where do you find joy in your life? Because you are alive. 
and get to witness the ascension of what I believe is going to be the greatest baseball player to ever walk that I can't imagine I mean I could have never imagined anybody like Shohei Otani existing and yet I went to a game last year and was like eight feet from him he didn't have a great <laughs> game but it's not my fault you know baseball's a hard sport he's it's 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 insane and he's the closest thing to a lock that you're going to get for an all-star uh every year so long as he performs like this but it, he, that month at the plate and then on the mound doing yeah. the same <laughs> I can't I I could do entire I could just do a podcast about Shohei Otani um because I love the man so much but we that's so he not gets to go for the Angels, we're talking uh, and they also have a guy named Mike yeah Trout. exactly but some teams don't have a Shohei Otani and all teams get to have an all-star and the a lot of people after those reserve picks got put out were like oh I hate this rule <laughs> I think that you and I might be on the flip side of of both the, the two rules the fan vote were pretty against at this point and personally i'm a fan of the all teams get a representative because again i want the all-star teams to represent the whole league remember when they used to all wear their own home jerseys or their own uh those were so that's so cool to just see a red sock throw to a uh a ray to a yankee for a double play that's so fucking cool you know um but now you just get to see a ranger throw to a ranger throw to a ranger to get three braves out i don't give a shit about that no I, I don't either. And I while I, I I I don't like the fan vote, but I understand the fan vote. Um, so I I will allow it despite my protest. Uh, but I like you, I do love the one guy rule because that's how you end up getting guys like Oakland's Brent cool. Rooker on the team. A 28-year-old lifer who had 81 games of Major League experience was waived by Kansas City over the winter uh, to be picked up by the only team worse than the Royals. And then because of that, we got this magnificent quote from Brent Rooker. Quote, so there's a really cool picture of me hitting a home run off Shohei in Anaheim, and I'm going to approach him very humbly and try to get him to sign it because I think that is something I would love to have forever. I want to definitely introduce myself to him. And again, very, very humbly and very meekly see if he will sign that picture for me. adorable. I love that so much. (laughs) And that is to me the distillation of why baseball is so great because a grown man who works in the same industry as I, I, I wasn't that excited to see anybody at my conference in Las Vegas (laughs) two weeks ago that worked in my industry. I didn't ask for anybody's autograph, but he is so he's like, Oh my, I can't believe I hit a home run. There's this cool picture. I wonder if he'll sign it. That's baseball magic to me in a nutshell. And, and that's why the one guy rule is great because then you get to have stuff like that. Um, but there were some serious snubs. snubs. Brent Rooker was not one of them. And uh, the, I mean, right off the bat, I'm going to let you have um, the, the floor here because you came up with five snubs. I could not have uh, I could not have done any better on any of these. The only one I would have added and I guess I'll start is uh, I don't think Nolan Arenado was the right choice at third base in the National League. I would have really liked to have seen J.D. Davis get the nod. Um, they're both having comparable seasons fine seasons but i think nolan got the uh the st louis bump yeah jd has had a great season yeah jd i think you know he he had to he left new york under bad bad terms on a bad trade for darren ruff who is not playing with the mets anymore he was just having a rough spot last season goes to the giants figures it out and now he's he's improved even more and uh i'm happy for him miss him on the mets but uh next up on the list you had fernando you had you had fernando tatis jr um which i think is an interesting snub because i think the players get a vote and let me back that up i know the players get a vote and i think they made a a a message made a statement excuse me in uh in leaving him off um i think there might still be a little bit of bad blood there maybe players are like hey f this guy i don't know but uh, i mean he's having a fine season he's one of the most electrifying and exciting players to watch he's moved to right field and it looks like he's he was playing there his whole life but this year wasn't his turn yeah, I, you know, is it a thing of PED usage? Is it a, just a thing of how bad the Padres have been this year? I don't know, but the guy, he's got a 280 batting average, 867 OPS, 3.7 BWAR for a team that's not great. Like, that's that's saying a lot, you know, and uh, 
I'm not a big Tatis fan, but you can't deny that he's mm-hmm. been good. Um, and definitely better than like Michael Harris, who got a ton of votes for the Braves. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah, but uh, like you said, you know, Brave Braves fans turn out. the The next name you put on this list was the first name that I thought of, and that is Wander Franco. Tampa Bay Rays shortstop, 283 batting average, 802 OPS, a 4.2 B war, 26 stolen bases. Um, and then I, I, I don't, you, you put the stat in there, 12 OAA, and I don't know what that outs is. Outs above, above average. average. There it is. I didn't I got do it. 12 outs above average, which I didn't it, do that for all, all the guys. Yeah. I just, I was a little selective with my stat choice. But for me, that's important for a shortstop. Um, and that's also a huge number for outs above average. Oh, yeah massive and he's having just an impressive year he's already starting to live up to the uh the hype that preceded him uh as early as 2021 i think is even maybe into 2020 uh and he's proven it but you know in his case i I don't feel as bad because he's a young guy he he will get his uh eventually another snub on an ascendant team Cattell Marte Second base for Arizona. Again, just a fantastic season. 285 batting average, 867 OPS, 15 home runs, and a 3.6 B war. Just, again, there's 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 not room for everybody, but I think there should have been room for him. Oh, but don't worry. We had to have the uh, second baseman from the Braves on there and not a good second baseman. I, I, I sound like such a I sound so shitty and bitchy, but it's like I'm sure the Braves second baseman is good. But why not this this guy from Arizona that's also been good in the same league? Come on. And Spencer Steer, I think is the one that I made com- me the most mad. Yes, again, I what I want to see in the All-Star game is young ascendant up and coming talent mixed in with like no doubters like Mike Trout. That's what I want to see. And Spencer Steer fits that bill to a T, 283 batting average, 876 OPS, and a 131 weighted runs created. Plus, a WRC plus, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with that stat, uh, 100 is sort of a baseline average. So he is uh, you know, creating runs 31% better than the average MLB player right now. Just a, a young player on an up-and-coming team having an up-and-coming type season, and he'll be, I'm sure he won't mind because he'll be enjoying a vacation during the All-Star break, but at the same time, it's got to be a little uh, salt in the woundy kind of thing to be like, fuck, I should have been there. Yeah, my other one was Brandon Nimmo, and and this may be homerism because of the Mets, but he had a legitimately good season, 279 batting average, 830 OPS, 12 home runs, uh, good outfielder, better than Michael Harris outfielder. Um, at the very least, him and Tatis, if they were in the same outfield together, would be the ideal outfield for me. If I'm, if I'm the coach of the National League All-Star team, I would be pissed off that those two guys are not on my team. Um, and Oh, yeah. I don't know. Nimmo never getting an All-Star nod is very bizarre to me. Um, there's a lot of Mets that I feel like, why the hell aren't they on the team? Some of them I get. Um... Some of them I don't get, like Pete Alonzo barely making it. He made it on reserves. I was like, it's Pete Alonzo, man. He's like, he he got injured, so he hasn't been hitting as many home runs lately, but still among the home run leaders in the league. You at least want to see that guy in the Derby, right? He got he did get in, oh, yeah, but uh, not on the fan vote. Yeah, no, I I mean I'm I'm a I'm on the record as being a big fan of the polar bear. I would have I, I would have loved to have seen him. Uh, we talked about earlier. We talked about the uh, every team getting a pick, um, and you have a couple of Tigers here. And the reason I think you put these Tigers here, I'm going to play mind reader, is because not only are we questioning it, but even the man himself, Michael Lorenzen, the Detroit Tigers' lone all-star representative, thought he was getting traded. Yeah. He was called into manager A.J. Hinch's office to be told he was the Tigers' all-star representative. And was like, are you serious? I've I'm at I got like a four point five ERA. What's the hell's going on? And I'll here? say this: um, I like Michael Lorenzen. Thanks. I think he's been a great addition to the team. Uh, when we have a fully healthy rotation, I still want him at like four or five in the rotation because I think he's been a big improvement. Oh, he yeah. might not have a great ERA, but solid pitcher produces, gets innings. I like him. Do I think he should have been all our, our all-star? Probably not. And I think a lot of people, for Tigers fans especially, and we can make this a little bit of Tiger talk, um, they've pointed out that, like, oh, now the baseball community at large that already thinks the Tigers suck, even though they're, like, 
just shy of 500 and very, very close to first place, um, they're going to think that we don't have any all-star caliber players when we very much do. Lorenzen is eighth on the team in war. Two of those guys are injured, so they couldn't make the, the, the all-star game. But three guys that I highlighted, you very much pinpointed it, are definitely at least better uh, in the wins above replacement category, but also just they're better. Um, Jason Foley was my top pick. Um, he's a relief pitcher, great uh, setup man, late innings, bullpen guy. Got a couple saves under his belt, but he also has a 2.17 ERA um, in 37 innings, uh, 33 strikeouts, 1.04 whip, 1.5 war. Um, his specialization, for those that don't follow the Tigers, he's not a big strikeout guy, which is kind of crazy. He's got 33. He's a big uh, ground ball producer, and he's very, very good at pitching to contact and I think that's kind of a tool that's fun to have in the All-Star game. They can't all be Shohei Otani's and Garrett Cole's, you know. <laughs> no. And you got and also he's got he's got what a lot of people would refer to as a bowling ball sinker where it feels like you're hitting a bowling ball. Um and I would love to see Shohei Otani try to lift, you know, one of those bowling balls yeah. like, you know, your best against my best. And again, it's it's a challenge that you would like to see because Again, we are a small, Detroit is a small market team. And so a lot of people across the country don't really get to see the good players and just assume that everybody on the Detroit Tigers is a bad team. They, they, they view like the statement that this man plays for the Detroit Tigers is more of an accusation uh, <laughs> or an indictment than anything else. But Jason Foley has played against every other team, you know, that the, I mean, every team the Tigers have been scheduled to play so far and they played some really good teams and some really bad teams. And this is the result. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Yeah. He's not the closer. That would be Alex Lang, who I think also should have gotten a nod. He's had some bad performances of late. June wasn't kind to him, but if you had asked me who our all-star was going to be at the end of May, he would have been a shoe-in easily. I think he went into May with somewhere around a 2 ERA. He's at 3.89 now. Um, 44 strikeouts on that insane sliding curveball that he throws. Uh, 1.27 whip. 12 saves for, again, a Tigers team that every win is precious for them. Um, and he is a marked improvement over Gregory Soto, who was the closer of the last couple years, and who was also our our lone all-star for the past two years on the strength of his shitty numbers. So yep. I just, I'm, I'm blown away. <laughs> I'm blown away that the guy that replaced him in the bullpen uh, didn't get the nod. And then I just wanted to highlight Jake Rogers, who is also like, not having a great season by like you know Matt Olson or Will Smith standards uh, as far as catchers go, but Adley Rushman was the the pick right and uh, for the AL and yep. you know Rogers is only hitting about two hundred seven seventy seven OPS with eleven home runs. He's second on the team with home runs. Um, but most importantly, he's an extremely good defensive catcher. He's uh, among the top 20 in all of MLB. Um, and he's ahead of Adley Rushman defensively when it comes to those metrics, right ahead of him. So if you look at the guy that did get picked, Adley Rushman, then you look at this guy, Jake Rogers, you're like, well, what the fuck? And I'm still kind of puzzled. Nothing against Adley Rushman, but like, why didn't, where's Jonah Heim? Like, what the hell? Another snub. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, another switch hitting, you know, fine defensive catcher. Uh, Adley some uh, catch it like when it comes to fan boat and catching it's it's so difficult because if there's not a mike piazza or just a sort of like head and shoulders you know everybody knows this everybody knows this catcher because this catcher hits um or this yeah. catcher plays in in new york looking at you jorge posada um you know in, in, unless there's one of those type guys it's it's hard to really truly understand the value uh that a catcher brings uh, to a team and Jake Rogers does that in spades. Um, he did have a huge day yesterday, hit a, hit a, a big home run, uh, yesterday in, in Colorado. I swear to God, every, t every Tigers game I watch, he hits a foul ball down the left field line. That is just foul. And he did that yesterday again, but then he, uh, regathered, you know, or regrouped and gathered himself and, uh, 
ended up hitting a home run. The Tigers yesterday, by the way, in Colorado, as a side note, I sent this to you, they hit for the home run cycle. Just as a side note, they hit a, uh, a solo, a two run, a three run and two grand slams against the Colorado Rockies. Uh, so yeah. that was fun to see. Uh, and Jake Rogers did hit the, the, the solo job in that one. So I, I agree. I would have liked to have seen Jake uh, get that. That would have been nice a to funny see. fact. Up until uh, this week, uh, every time Jake Rogers hit a home run in a Tigers game, and again, he's second on the team in home runs. Uh, every time he hit a home run, they usually lost that game. Uh, up until this week, they hadn't won a game that Jake Rogers hit a home run in. <laughs> I did not know that. Anyway, that's Tiger Talk. We're only four four games out of first place with a uh, ten game under five hundred uh, losing record. So let's go Tigers. Yeah. Well, you know, Adley Rushman was going to get that pick all along because he was a former top draft pick, and those top draft picks often get. The lion's share of attention. What a segue. Yeah, again, I was calling my shot. Another great segue because we are, in fact, going to talk about the Major League Draft, which uh, is, is getting a change. It's getting a little makeover, a little extreme makeover this year. Um, it's a three-day event starting July 9th, uh, starting at 7 p.m. They, they have it overlap uh, with the all-star festivities. The uh, first round will start at 7 p.m. Eastern time on July 9th. Uh, rounds 2 through 10 will take place on July 10th, and then 11 through 20 on July 11th. Uh, the picks start at 2 p.m. Eastern time for the final two draft days, and there will be 20 rounds in this year's draft. Now, I am a draft nut, um, and as I was preparing all of this, I was telling my wife, Katie, it was this, it was rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Like, well, I got to mention this. And then when I thought of that, I was like, well, if I mention this, I got to mention this. Um, so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a very, very cursory uh, breakdown of the MLB draft because there is so many, there's so many like Byzantine and esoteric rules that it just don't apply to other drafts. Like for, you know, the NFL draft, reverse order, worst team picks first, team that wins the Super Bowl picks last, you can trade your picks, and that's that. Major League Baseball, you can't trade your picks. Well, not all of them, some of them, but most of them you can't, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. The Pittsburgh Pirates are picking first this year. This is their second number one overall pick in the last three drafts, and had they not changed the format, they wouldn't have that pick. Because in years past, picks were handed out in reverse order of finish in the prior season. So the team that had the worst record would pick first, and the team with the best record would pick last. So if they still went by that, the Washington Nationals would have the first pick in this year's draft. But not this year. Starting this year, Major League Baseball will determine the order of their first round in the first round only via a draft lottery. The 18 non-playoff teams are all vying for a shot at the number one pick, over the winter meetings back in December, they they had the draft lottery. The three worst teams had the best chance of getting the first pick. They had a 16.5% chance. And then the next 12 teams in descending order had a decreasing uh, chance to win it, uh, all the way down to 0.2% for the 18th team. Then they held a, a lottery to determine the first six picks. And then uh, the next 12 picks were based in reverse order based on their regular season winning percentage. Um, and then the playoff teams were slotted based on when they exited the playoffs. Matt, are you still with me? <laughs> so I got that the, there's a lottery uh, only in the first round. And then uh, uh, all I know is that there's a lot of arbitrary rules uh, when it used to just be worst team <sighs> gets first pick. And now it's there's so much more going on. <laughs> Buddy, if if I hear the term over slot, under slot, slot value, if I hear any of that one more time, oh, no. I just I'm, ugh. And, and I love this and I love this stuff. I love this stuff. And I'm still like, I don't I don't care that they signed somebody under slot because they were trying to give some guy in the later later in the draft. It, it was just pick the guy. If you think all that sounds complicated, you're not wrong. But my friend, it gets so much worse. <laughs> there are 30 Major League Baseball teams. There are 30 Major League Baseball teams. There are 28 first round picks Wait this year. <clears throat> because, <laughs> I, yeah, I know, right? 
record scratch. There are only 28 first round picks this year because the Mets and the Dodgers had their respective first round picks move down 10 slots each as punishment for going over the first luxury tax threshold by $40 million or hmm. more. So their their first round picks are their or their first round picks are no longer first round picks, their first picks. So they functionally lost a first round pick and now they're somewhere in like the bottom of the first the bottom of the upper third well, of the Well, that just sounds round. like prejudice against rich people. The se- <sighs> you know, <laughs> billionaires are so misunderstood. <laughs> Hold on. I got I got to go lick this boot. So, if the 28th pick is the is the end of the first round, who has the 29th pick? The Seattle Mariners. Now, the Seattle Mariners have the 22nd pick in the first round, but then they get the 29th pick thanks to the newly implemented prospect promotion incentive round. This little <laughs> wrinkle was added in the newest collective bargaining agreement to encourage teams to promote prospects sooner instead of leaving them down in the minors in order to manipulate their service huh. time. In order to be eligible, yeah, okay, strap in. In order to be eligible, a team must have a prospect on their opening day roster who meets the following criteria. One, they must be considered a top 100 prospect by at least two of the three major top 100 lists. Those three lists are MLB.com, Baseball America, and ESPN's respective top 100 prospect lists. No disrespect for, I don't know, I don't understand why they're disrespecting Keith Law like this, but whatever. And two, they must be true rookies, meaning they have 60 days or fewer of MLB service time. So because Julio Rodriguez won the rookie of the year last year, the uh, Seattle Mariners have been rewarded by getting um, an additional pick. Now, there are more tiers to this. If if you finish, if you have a prospect that meets those criteria that finish second or third in the rookie of the year voting, I think you get more um, international pool money. Um, if they manage to win a Cy Young or MVP award or finish somewhere in the top five of those, you get something else. I like that um, though. It's somebody shows up at your door with a big saying, check. Hey, you know, you want these young guys on your team? You have to play them. And if the sooner you play them, the more we reward yes. you for doing so. I like that a lot. <laughs> I completely agree. And so because of that criteria, not every rookie is eligible. Um, this year, uh, the, the one to watch in this regard is Corbin Carroll. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a true rookie this year, um, and he is absolutely destroying it. He is uh, an all-star starter, and rightfully so, uh, in my humble opinion. Um, Gunnar Henderson was another big one uh, in uh, Baltimore. Jordan Walker in St. Louis. He's fallen off a little bit, but those were the three like big ones that people were looking at when it came to this um, at the beginning of the year. I like it as well. I completely agree. Um, but what I don't like is um, confusing bureaucracy. Speaking of confusing bureaucracy, after the prospect promotion incentive round or PPIR for those of you who like abbreviations after that round comes competitive balance round a a six pick mini round if you will that gives a pick to teams that have either one of the 10 smallest markets or one of the 10 smallest revenue pools Um, for some reason this year there are 10 picks in competitive round a I don't know why Um, so but what happens is because there aren't some of the, some of those overlap. Some of those teams that are one of the smallest markets also have one of the smallest revenue pools. I think there were fourteen this year. I mean, that I, I makes sense to me, right? Um, like, but then they basically draw. Isn't that normal for for a small market team to also not make as much money because of their small market? Am I crazy? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So there, yeah. So no, so there there is some okay. overlap there. So in competitive round A, they pick six teams out of that pool oh, and they okay. get uh, a, a an, an additional pick. Um, for, like I said, for some reason, there's this year, 10 this year. I, I'm, I'm not sure why. I didn't see anything in my search uh, that, that explained that. Um, so guess who shows up again? One of your favorite teams to root for, the Seattle Mariners. They have the 22nd pick, the 29th pick because of the Julio Rodriguez thing and the PPIR. And they get the 30th pick in the competitive balance round well, all right. A. Um, like, yeah. They'll make um, the playoffs after for all sure that, in 2029. 27, right? 27 to 29, somewhere in there. Um, After all that, it gets boring. Uh, Round two. 
where draft order is determined by reverse order of regular season winning percentage and postseason. So the finish. normal. So you know all the te- exactly. So all the teams that didn't make the playoffs in reverse order of winning percentage, and then um, the the playoff teams are stacked according to when they exited uh, the playoffs. Uh, if you thought that the competitive balance round was fun, congratulations. You get another round. Uh, you deserve another one as a treat. And you get another six-team mini round uh, that get an extra pick. Um, we haven't even uh, remotely uh, scratched the surface of some of the more esoteric draft rules, of which the MLB draft has plenty. Um, like I said earlier, uh, teams cannot trade draft picks except for the aforementioned competitive balance round picks. Um, those teams also get a bump in international pool money. Uh, international pool money, that's an entirely different beast altogether and, quite frankly, another episode. Yeah. Um, and like I, said, <laughs> like I said earlier, if you pay attention at all to the draft, you might hear uh, slot talk, a lot of slots. That's because the value of the top 10 picks are assigned uh, a recommended slot value. I think the top slot is $9.175 million as a, as a signing bonus. Every team gets a, a pool of money and they can only do so much with that. Um, it only applies to the first two rounds, I think. And then anything after that is sort of free game. And that's why teams will try to like, I think Henry Davis last year's number one pick with the pirates sign under slot. And then they, they, they basically said, hey, man, if you go under slot a little bit, we, we think we can get this guy at the end. And he's really good, and we can get him at the bottom of the draft, and we're going to pay him a little bit more. All kinds of finagling. Um, t- teams cannot um, outspend their bonus pools to sign players in the top 10 rounds without incurring a penalty such as uh, a tax on the overage. The overage? Isn't he the uh, travel whatever. secretary? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete Overage. And uh, forfeiture of future picks as well. So again, like I said, I am wildly glossing over a lot of this, but I will say this. Major League Baseball as an entity doesn't do a lot of stuff well, but if you just go to MLB.com and just start searching, they have a massive trove that explains all of their bullshit. The Rule 5 draft, the Rule 4 draft. We all, m- most of us know the Rule 5 draft is the thing. Did you know the Rule 5, 4 draft is the thing? We're going to do an episode on that one, too. I did. I <laughs> you know, that's that's a that's a December episode yeah. when uh, <laughs> shit's real slow. Okay. Making up, what's the Rule 3 draft? I don't know. We'll do we'll do a good series so there in, get- in, in around Christmas time. We'll cover all the drafts. It'll be It'll be draft month. Uh, not draft like this, but the draft send rule. <laughs> yeah, send us your, uh, if you want to know more um, about this, uh, send us your weird questions that you want to know more about, because I love this kind of stuff. Uh, I would like to take the last few minutes of this episode to tell you one of my favorite uh, old rules. I actually want to do an ex- an entire long episode. We've, we've kicked the tires on doing a more long form version of the show. Um, the draft used to have a rule the major league baseball draft used to have a rule and i've told you this before mm-hmm. where uh the same league could not have the first pick in consecutive years they used to alternate so if you know if pittsburgh had the, the pick last year washington would not get the pick this year because they were uh in the national league so the the american league team with the worst record uh would get the pick and I say that because one time that happened, the year Chipper Jones was drafted, the Atlanta Braves had the first pick and picked Chipper Jones. But you know who actually had the worst record in Major League Baseball the year before that? The Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers could could have drafted Chipper Jones, but because of this bullshit rule that they no longer have, thankfully, uh, he was a, a an Atlanta Brave uh, How good which, again, was he I don't anyway? know if you guys have caught this. <laughs> Just a Hall of Famer. Um, fuck the Atlanta Braves is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, fuck Chipper Jones just for good measure. Um, okay, so I, I, I get now how it works, I guess. And now there's like a combine, right? Like like players get to show off a little bit. There's kind of in the same form the NFL kind yeah. of does. Are there guys that seem cool? Like like are there guys that you know uh, are likely to be stars in the MLB in a couple of years? 
Yes, and I'm glad you asked because this year, if you've never paid attention to the Major League Draft, I would encourage you to do it this year because uh, the consensus is amongst those who pay attention to these sort of things professionally. There are five dudes at the top of the draft who in any other year could easily be the number one overall pick. Um, but because this year it's just so stacked, um, it's a, it's a, a deep draft the, the five guys that I, I was mentioning, um, are led by Dylan Cruz, uh, recent, uh, college baseball world series, series champion for the Louisiana state university tigers. He was highly coveted out of high school Ooh. and he just said, Nope, I'm going I'm to go to college and did nothing but absolutely rake in the best uh, baseball conference in all of college baseball. Um, there's some scuttlebutt out there that he has made it known that he does not want to play for the Pirates. Um, I, there's there's nothing that's been confirmed in that regard. I hate um, that fucking bridge. Would... But <laughs> <laughs> Which one? There's three. I don't want to be anywhere near um... the furries. <laughs> He tweeted that again. I know he sent it to you. Andrew McCutcheon did his 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 furries tweet. Um, another one of those five guys uh, is their pitcher, uh, Louisiana State uh, Louisiana State pitcher. His teammate Paul Skeens, who dominated uh, in the College World Series. Uh, s- several people have gone on record, including uh, the aforementioned Keith Law, as saying he is the best college pitching prospect that they've ever seen. Um, six foot six, two thirty five. Just a blazing fastball. Uh, he's a pretty solid repertoire. I can't remember uh, everything that he's got going for him there. I think, yeah, he's got a really good slider. Uh, he strikes out over 50% of the batters he's faced. Uh, coming out of the regular season, he had 164 strikeouts, which was 40 more than any other pitcher in Division Jesus One. Um, yeah. My wife, uh, uh, we, we were watching... We were watching the a little bit of College World Series, and uh, my wife saw LSU's dugout at one point, and she goes, "Who's this like forty year old guy hanging out with all these college kids?" <laughs> with schemes, uh, <laughs> he looks a little, he looks a little bit rough around the edges for a college student, but uh, definitely brings it uh, with his pitching. Yeah, he's he's getting a uh, ninety eight mile an hour fastball. He's got a, a what they would call a fifty five slider, which is just above average. Uh, Keith Law says some some guys try to cheat on his fastball because they know he's never going to throw the change up. Uh, he might have to change that up when he, no pun intended, when he gets to the majors. Um, I, I did not mean that at all. Uh, a third member of that group is uh, outfielder Wyatt Langford from the University of Florida, the team that the Tigers beat in the College World Series. Uh, just an outstanding toolsy um, he, uh, outfielder for the University of Florida. He only hit 250 as a freshman. Um, because he went one for four. Uh, after that, in his career, he hit 373. Uh, he slashed 373, 487, 62 in 114 games for the Gators with 100, or sorry, with 42 home runs and more walks than strikeouts in the best, again, best conference um, in, in all of college baseball. Some questions about his defense. Um, some people, including Keith Law, have him going third to the Tigers, to which I say, fuck yes. Nice. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't want uh, anybody else at this point. Um, and then a couple of high schoolers to round it out. Uh, kid down in Indiana, of all places, uh, Max Clark, uh, another outfielder down there. Uh, great speed. He's a 70 runner on the 20 to 80 um, baseball rating scale. He's a 70, really good bat speed, hand strength. Um, <laughs> Keith Law's daughter was apparently very impressed by his Instagram follower count of over 309,000. Um, he is committed okay. to Vanderbilt, um, but you know uh, that could change if the dollar, dollar signs are there. And then uh, Walter Jenkins, another high school outfielder from North Carolina, plus runner. Um, he, he's a little skinny, uh, needs to, to add a, a few pounds, according to Keith Law. He could have uh, 30 homer power, and he's a pretty good center fielder, but uh, he could sees that he might be able, you know, down the line might be uh, better suited to right field as he loses a little bit of his speed. Committed to Uni- University of North Carolina, um, but again, the dollar signs are there. Who knows? I mean, so, I don't know. So there you go. Those are five, I, five guys to look at. 
if I could go back in time and tell my 18-year-old self, hey, buddy, maybe don't worry about college. It kind of seems like a waste of money. I would definitely tell that kid that if an MLB team is knocking on your door and you're, like, top five in the draft picks. Um, but that's just me. Oh, a- absolutely. Um, no, you're absolutely right. And then just as a, as, as a side note, a little bit of homerism, uh, number 33 on uh, Keith Law's top 100 uh, draft prospects list is a uh, prep shortstop a high school shortstop out of miami named george lombard jr that's right son of detroit tigers uh coach george lombard so uh runs in the family apparently just out of curiosity i uh looked up the wikipedia page for like the history of number one draft picks and uh surprisingly a lot of familiar names because you know nfl i feel like makes a lot more stink about their draft but they don't always make it in in the league they don't always become stars um you know looking at this obviously there's some familiar names for tigers fans because spencer torgelson in 2020 and casey mize in 2018 uh spencer torgelson and casey mize uh were the two most recent tigers number one draft picks of varying degrees of quality but also adley rushman uh 2019 number one draft pick for the orioles he is now an all-star. They got to update this Wikipedia page. Um, um, <laughs> and then um, 2015, Dansby Swanson. Um, 2012, Carlos Correa. 2011, Garrett Cole. And I mean, that's just the last, you know, 15 odd years. Uh, Bryce Harper, 2010. Steven Strasburg, 2009. These are stars, you know, guys that have made a yeah. good. I mean, I would assume guys like Cole and Harper are probably on their way to Cooper's turn. I don't know, maybe a little early in their career to say so, but... Yeah, but do you know what most of those players that you mentioned have in common? And I'm not I'm not setting you up for a joke. They most of those guys, with the exception of Harper and I believe Correa, uh, I can't say I can't remember Correa's background. All college players, Major League Baseball is starting to warm up to the idea of drafting a college baseball player because the old wisdom was, well, if you're going to college, you weren't good enough to get drafted. So yeah, why am I going to draft you now? But Ever since Moneyball and Billy Bean, you know, trying to show the value of college players who have gotten four more years at an advanced level of, With of competition, coaches and, yeah. there's real value there. Exactly. So, like you just said, you know, Adley Rushman, Oregon State, uh, Stephen Strasburg, San Diego State, Garrett Cole, UCLA. You know, th- these guys. And they didn't just put Dansby Swanson. Looks like Harper was um, College of Southern Nevada. Yeah, he was a weird one because he. Harper was weird because he left high school at 16 and then went to college so he could get to the draft sooner. Um, I believe College of Southern Nevada is a a JUCO, a school or a junior college. Um, So that would explain why he was a little uh, immature in his early days. Um, Hashtag hashtag clown question, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the last person drafted out of high school at the number one pick was last year's pick, Jackson Holiday. But uh, before then, it was Royce Lewis in 2017. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not a scout for the MLB. I'm not a, uh, uh, obviously, I'm not an uh, expert on the draft at all because I just learned so much in the last half hour. <laughs> but um, it would seem to me that a, a college guy would make more sense. Um, but we'll see. I mean. For the Tigers, at least, our number one picks, uh, one is having his second Tommy John surgery, uh, or recovering from that at the moment, and the other is starting to break out, fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, again, he's got those underlying metrics, but I'm getting real tired of the underlying metrics. I don't care if you are in the, you know, top 2% of, you know, exit velocity, if you're hitting it right at guys, like, these other guys hit it not at other guys. What the fuck are they doing differently that you're not doing, Spencer? Do something different. <laughs> I think I think he's figuring it out. He's hitting home runs this year, and that's if you're going to hit the ball hard, hit it out of the park. I do too. So, um, all right. No, you know, Pee Wee Reese said, "Hit it where they ain't," and they ain't in the stands, that's so hit right. it there. Well, Carl, I mean, this has been uh, so enlightening. I I literally was asking my coworkers this morning. I was like, "Do you know anything about the MLB draft?" And they're like, uh, "I know a couple guys from LSU are going to be." top picks this year but i don't know anything else (laughs) so i uh 
I at least feel like I've learned a little bit about how it works. <laughs> it's so, like I said, it's so convoluted. I, I could have told you maybe 70% of that off the top of my head, but some of the more uh, specific parts of that, I, ha- I definitely had to do a little research on that. But uh, again, I was happy to do it. I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about baseball. I, I, I think I, I think we uncovered a rebrand here. Um, you know, we it's a baseball podcast by fans for fans, but I think rebranding ourselves as a base a baseball podcast hosted by your baseball uncles, <laughs> um, I think might be more accurate because sometimes we might get shit wrong, but we yeah. believe it. Yeah, the kind of guys that you want to go see a game with, share a couple beers, and I'm gonna tell you, oh yeah, that's why that guy's standing there on the field. Which I have been that guy so many times with my friends at, at baseball games. Um, and I, I hope we can be, continue to be that guy for all of you folks listening at home. Um, but until next week, we're going to have to uh, take off our uncle hats and uh, uh, bid you farewell because this is the end of the episode. Um, next week, we are going to dig deep into the All-Star game. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in Seattle during the break. Um, but I also want to do a little bit more on the history of the game, how these teams are selected, what the game means. Spoiler alert, it means very little nowadays, and it used to mean a lot back in the day. <laughs> um, why does the game suck now? Anyway, we'll get into it next week. Um, uh, but until then, uh, I'm Matt. I'm Carl. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Put Me In Coach is an Arctic Sounds original podcast hosted by Matt Coggins and Carl Mizell. Theme music is by Quack Quack Seatback. Edited and produced by Matt Coggins. Check out the footnotes of this episode to see links to all the great highlights, articles, and sources we mentioned on the podcast today, as well as the full theme song and ways to get in touch with us. For more, find us on Twitter and Instagram at PutMeInPod or at our website, PutMeInCoachPod.com. Put Me In Coach.